to the opening main episode of Season 6 of the Luke Town Supporters Trust podcast. If you've listened to Part 1 of this podcast, you'll have heard us uh, review the pre-season, the um, transfers that have come in, the coaching setup, and a quick look at the kits. In this second part, myself and James will look at what's going to come up during this season. We're going to have a look at a few rules that have been amended and changed and things like that and how that could impact everything. We'll have a look at the Skybet Championship division. Will it be tougher? Will it be easier? Will Luton uh, have it um, harder than what we did last season? I'll then get James's expectations for the season. If you listen to the podcast that we did with Sonny Bradley, you'll know the aim is very much on improving, and I'll ask James if that is possible. And then we'll finish off this podcast with a look at the first sort of half dozen matches of what we hope will be a fantastic season. Let's start with the rules then, James. Obviously, the main one uh, was announced sort of March, April time that there's going to be five substitutes this season. There's an awful lot of conjecture about whether that benefits the bigger clubs or the smaller clubs or everything else. Does it benefit anyone, in your opinion? Well, no, the bigger clubs are going to have the money to buy a decent 11 in the first place, aren't they? So they're going to be pretty strong. Um, and yeah, they'll be able to fill the, the bench with strong players as well. But it's it's a player safety issue for me. It's, I don't think people should be thinking about it in terms of, well, it makes one team stronger than the other. I think considering the absolute farce and disgrace of handing the World Cup to Qatar and then disrupting everybody's um, seasons by putting it in the winter when they said they wouldn't, um, you know, that's it's condensed parts of the season. There's going to have to be an awful lot more football played in short space of time. And with, you know, a team like Luton and the intensity, they want a player, um, that they're going to need those options. But, and we saw the evidence was there for everyone to see at the end of last season, just how decimated Luton were by injuries. And you can't help wonder if, um, that half of that was, it was down to the, um, you know, the, the stress of playing so much. So, yeah, I know Nathan was calling for it last season and it should have happened last season. Um, you know, it came in during the COVID season, didn't it? And that was the right thing to do for that. But it's just the right thing to do uh, generally, I think. You know, foot, football is an ever-evolving game and it changes. But the pace and intensity of it generally is more um, full-on than it than it, than it was in the past. And, you know, there used to be no subs. Then you see one sub. Then there used to be three and, and, and then five. I, I guess, you know, detractors of the of the figure might say, well, where does it end? Can you, can you swap out a whole team? Uh, and I think probably you've got to draw the line somewhere because I wouldn't like that. Everybody hates that in pre-season, don't they? When it's two, two different 11s. So, um, you know, f- five seems like a decent number. Um, and let's, let's see how it goes, but I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it as well. Uh, something has to give, doesn't it? Either the quantity of the football has to give or you have to give teams more leeway to play more players in all of these games. I mean, if Luton have a half successful cup run like we had last season and make the playoffs again, we're going to be pushing 60 games of football with a month taken out halfway in between it. It's it's unsustainable for 14 players to do all of that. It's it's mm. not fair, let alone unsustainable. And like you say, the, the, the um, tension on muscles and things like that would be so extreme that you know you you just you're just going to be watching second tier teams because so many first choice players are, are going to be missing i i mentioned the 
will it benefit the big squads or, or the smaller squads? I, I don't buy that because you're only talking two extra players. Um, yeah. It's not like a team is going to get to half-time and then change five players at half-time. And if they do do that, they're probably five or six nil down and the manager's having a half and he's just got rid of five players and brought five more random ones on. You, you know, substitute four and five are going to play, what, 10 or 15 minutes at the most unless things are going yeah. seriously tits up. So you're only really talking about two players impacting the game for a minimum amount of time. Yes, there'll be the odd game where someone comes on and scores two goals or something like that of course, against a tired team. Of course they will. But there's every chance that that person would have been one of the three anyway and done the same thing. Yeah, but you can also look at it as I think that it's probably a good thing for player development as well because, you know, if maybe not for the bigger sides who've got so many quality players that they're hard to fit them into the squad. But if you're talking about uh, some of the smaller teams, then maybe that's their opportunity to bring some players through that wouldn't necessarily have got a, a chance. So there's always that aspect of it. I think, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it from um, a, a product point of view as well, uh, which I hate, I hate the term, don't get me wrong, but um, you, you want the best players in the best teams playing each other and you want that spectacle. If you get to the end of the season and you're, you know, you, you've got a situation like in rugby union where, you know, for the, for the six nations, all the big players leave and you've basically got the youngsters and the reserves playing in a cup nobody cares about. It, it does affect the product, doesn't it? You want to see the best players and um, you can't be hammering them for for 60 games. And then you got, and then some of them, let's not forget, are going to be internationals. They're also going to go away play even more. It's just, it's not fair on their legs. Um, and you and I have seen the intensity of Luton Town training a couple of seasons ago when we got invited up and it was, it's bloody relentless. They're, they're not messing around um, on, on the training pits. They're, they're playing with the same level of intensity like they're doing a game. And, and if, if you're doing that every day, you know, you, you, you know, you're going to break, you're going to injure people. And then, and then, um, you know, if it, some injuries are, are quite detrimental to, to certain players. If you think about the pacey players, if you've got a hamstring injury, it's a really tough one to come back from. You know, think about Michael Owen, who was you know, such a prospect when he scored that goal for England against Argentina in the World Cup. And his pace was such a big thing. But then he got injured and he never was the same player again. Uh, and of course, those things are going to happen naturally. But you're not helping things by flogging these players to death. No, that's it. And of course, when they've got these injuries, there's so many games that obviously managers want their best players earlier. They come back earlier. You know, I'm thinking sort of Harry Cornick last season. He had that calf problem, didn't he? We nursed him as best we could. But ultimately, we had to bring him back because everyone else had broken down. And, you know, it's 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 like a circle, isn't it? That, you know, it just goes round and round and round. And where do you stop? Or if the fourth and fifth substitutions allow us... Um, a manager to bring a player off before that injury occurs because they all have the data now, don't they? They all wear GPS pads and yeah. everything else. They all know when they're about to break. If a, if a manager can, can bring even two players off, save them for the following game, then it, it's going to benefit everyone all around. And yeah, okay, the bigger, the bigger teams might have better players, but that's just the way it is. But at least we'll be bringing on our own fresh players and we won't be going up against these heavier sides 
with injured players like obviously we did against Fulham at the end of last season and we all saw what happened there we just physically we we weren't there we couldn't compete yeah I mean I think the thing about the bigger teams having an advantage is a bit of a moot point unless you're you know running a American system where you know transfer you you know American sports more than me I'm looking for the word what is it the the trading thing yeah trades and drafts and things like that yeah Yeah, the draft that's it unless you've got that system where it's a bit more egalitarian then the big teams are always going to have an advantage anyway because they're big teams um so I don't really buy that argument so much but you know all the other ones that we have said about player welfare and, and a better quality of football. I think they want, those are the ones that really stand up and, um, and, and just safeguarding, really. You, you don't want to see players breaking down and getting injured. And it, you know, you pay your money as much as everyone else to go and watch a game of football and you want to see the best players. That's the overriding thing, isn't it? Football isn't cheap. You want to see your best players. I mean, you know, you look at cricket. Ben Stokes has just retired from One Day International. So it's just too much cricket for his body to sustain. And mm. eventually you're going to get that in football, aren't you? And we don't want that. So, um, you know, I'm, I think we're both very much strong that this five substitution thing will work. It should have been in last season. It should never have been taken away once they yeah, brought it in for COVID, actually, uh, particularly as COVID was still around last season. But they brought it in now. And uh, that's a good thing. Uh, Some other things that came about earlier in the week, there was a piece that ITV did on their website, presumably because they've got the football highlights this season, football league highlights this season, as opposed to Quest. The referees are being told to clamp down on time-wasting. What do you make of that? It's definitely a good thing in my eyes, because it's the one thing that I absolutely cannot stand, is time-wasting. And, um, well, it'd be nice if the referees do do something about it. Yeah, I mean, but, but it's one of those one things where if it happens against your team, then you hate it. <laughs> if if it happens when your team's one nil up and you're looking like you're trying to see out a game and your goalkeeper holds on to the ball for a little bit longer, then suddenly everyone's a bit more okay with it, aren't they? So, um, you know, ultimately, I think it's a good thing. You, you want that you want to see the best football players playing in the best games. You want to see quick action. Uh, you want to see more uh, action, more of the stuff you want. You don't want to see people punting it into rows and it taking forever to come back. You, oh, I'm always rem- always amazed at the stats whenever they come out of how much time a ball's actually been in play. Um, and, you know, half the time you've got sort of half an hour where the, where the ball's not even been on the pitch. So it's amazing when you do that. But, um, yeah, I, it, it's one of the, it's one of the more sensible rules I think that that are going to come in. The thing is, you've got to enforce it because it's so it's still so subjective. We've we've all been to games, haven't we, where the opposition team has done it relentlessly, and then um, when the home goalie does it just the once, then that's the, that's the tipping point or sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for the ref, and, and suddenly the the yellow cards brandished for that, and not the ten other times it has happened, but. Yeah, we all know the teams that are, are, are big on it, and thankfully they're not in a division this season. So, um, <laughs> so uh, Tony's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll get through a, a podcast without mentioning that team's name, eh? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the key thing is that you said there, we want to see action. We don't want to see goalkeepers making out they've got cramp when everyone knows that they haven't even moved to get cramp. 
you know, we don't want to see players rolling around on the floor. You mentioned in the first part of the podcast when we discussed the Lionesses, there's none of that rolling around on the floor in the Lionesses, in, in the women's Euros. It's just, you know, let the best team on the day win. And maybe men's football should go back to that a little bit more. It would be uh, much more refreshing. The other thing that came out in this sort of release was referees are going to be told to control the physicality of games by by noticing what a foul is and how much contact there is in it. I mean, that's a wide open thing. And asking a championship referee who's useless at the best of times to um, control that sort of thing is it seems like a tough ask to me. But I'm guessing what they're trying to say is that a foul has got to be a proper foul rather than stopping the game every five minutes for this niggly nonsense. And that can't be a bad thing either. Well, I hope so. It's how it's interpreted, really, doesn't it? Um, you know, in the words that you, that you said there, it, it, it sounds almost like they want to move away from any contact. And that's the most irksome, groan-inducing thing that fans rally against, don't we? That You know... I'm trying to think of the game last season, but whenever there's a crunching tackle, you know, maybe the things aren't going wrong. There's, a, there's as much of a noise about that as there is goals sometimes. Um, I think about actually the Alan McCormack one where he slid halfway across the pitch for a slide tackle once in League One. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, and so if they're going to go that way, then no, no, that's a terrible thing. But if they're going to go more to the way of um, you know, if a challenge is a good challenge, but also you clean out the fella you, with a sliding challenge or something like that, then for me in my book, that that's okay because there was, it, it went too far the other way where you, you, you connected with the ball first and i.e. that's a good challenge, but momentum took you into the player. For me, that's not a foul, but I, that might be just showing my age. Um, so if, it, if it's that sort of thing, then I'd be all for it. But you know, we complain so much about what referees have to do and how, how difficult a job it is and so how badly executed they they pull it off sometimes. Is it really wise to be adding another extra interpretive layer into what they're supposed to be doing without the use of VAR? I'm not sure it's going to be wildly successful, if I'm honest. No, I, that, that's my concern as well, although I suppose Huddersfield fans will uh, claim that VAR ain't much more use after the playoff final either. <laughs> and the best tackle last season was that one that Henry Lansbury did. I forget who it was against, but he'd obviously been illed himself, hadn't he? And um, five minutes later, on the halfway line, was it against Blackburn, wasn't it? He absolutely, completely oh, yeah, yeah, in front yeah, of the yeah. Blackburn um, dugout, and that, that was the best one of last season. If they're allowed to go, then uh, happy days, because... Uh, yeah, we want to, see, <laughs> as fans, we all want to see them. Players might not, certainly the ones on the receiving end, but um, you get paid a pretty penny. You've got to take one or two mm. of them every now and again. It'll be interesting to see how the rules affect it. I Personally, I don't think it's going to be a great deal of difference. The main thing is we're going to get to see Elijah Adebayo and these kind of players, the players that put in the most physical effort, uh, we're going to get to see them for longer. So but it, it, might be, it might be a benefit for someone like Elijah because I think he gets unfairly pulled up so many times by referees when he's just trying to hold the ball up and shield it and, and keep an absolute beast from trying to you know, push him off the ball. Yeah, um, well, that's what I hope. You know, that They're going to let players use their physicality like Elijah does because... He, it is a part of the game, isn't it? That that mm. upper body strength, and it's going out of the game. And 
and and and it, 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 anyone that's more than six foot would just be taken out of the game if it, if it continues. Yeah, so you know, if, if it's on those sorts of things, then again, yes, I'd like to see that more, and, and it, it would keep the game flowing a bit more as well. Um, I know it's not necessarily the time wasting aspect, but if you can, you know, perform well with the darker hearts of football, then it does kind of break up momentum a bit, and Luton thrive very much on on that momentum and that intensity. So. You know, it could be a good thing on that front. I guess it's one of these things that it, it, the, the language just seems a bit woolly, and so we're going to have to see how it plays out. The, the, the downside, I suppose, is that we don't have much uh, time for many of the championship referees as it is. So let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I do know that the club's been briefed on it because um, Sonny had a meeting with the referees before he did our podcast earlier in the week. So we're... At least the players know, you know, hopefully that the people that were talking to the players did a much better job than what the press release did and they understand what it is that's going on and uh, and what isn't. Well, so, they'll, they'll learn pretty quickly if they start getting unfavourable decisions how to do it, won't they? I mean, yeah, I mean, the other thing as well is a lot of the time that these changes come in, they come in for a month, don't they? And then the referees go back to type. So you kind of hope that, mm. you know, if it happens, that it happens throughout and it's not just a sort of, uh, novelty period kind of thing. Um, I mean, what we'd usually have is that they'd bring it in for the World Cup, wouldn't we? And we'd see how it's implemented then and then go on to the season. But obviously, FIFA are a bunch of corrupt scumbags. So we don't have that this year because we all have to have a winter break to watch uh, football played in the desert. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. Nearer the time, we'll come on to. Uh, video offsides or whatever it is that they're doing in the World Cup but that's not in the Championship so uh, don't need to worry about that but we do need to worry about the Championship itself because it's a division that we're going to be watching for the next well 10 months actually um, given that it starts in July um, I put it to Sonny Bradley in the podcast that we did on Tuesday that there's no Fulham in this league this season so does that make our chances easier or harder? I think it makes the league more even um, they were by far and away the best side that I've seen in the championship since Luton have got back up. Um, and usually you'd point point to the teams that have come down. Um, you know, Norwich tend to always be that yo-yo side, so it could be that just Norwich replace Fulham um, and 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 do what they do, do what they did last season. Sorry. Um, Burnley's more of an anomaly, isn't it? Because it felt like that they'd really got things wrong at the end of the season everywhere on and off the pitch. And maybe that still bled into this season. Who knows? We'll find out soon enough, won't we? Um, but, you know, there was a lot. There's always a lot of teams in that division that are underperforming. Always. Um, it used to be Forest used to be one of the kings of it, but obviously they've got up now. But so much money in that division um, that, that they should be doing better. The likes of West Brom and, um, you know, even Birmingham to a certain extent, if they ever got their act together, they're, they're a big club in a massive city. They should really be doing better. And the same, same for sort of Bristol City as well. Um, so uh, you, the, the one thing is, what, what, why the division is so exciting really is because you, you're not going to have the monopoly on 
um, the top two spots like you do in the Premier League. It's pretty pretty bloody boring, isn't it? Actually, in the Premier League, um, you know, I, I know fans of clubs at the lower end of the Premier League, and it's just like, well, you you've essentially got to rule out twelve games of the season because the top six are just going to pulverise you. It's like that's not very exciting, is it? So, um, yeah, I don't know uh, ultimately if it's going to if it's going to make it uh, what's the question a better league or a more better, even easy, league easier yeah. for us really but I, I suppose it's not going to be easy I think that was the wrong word yeah. you probably yeah, nailed it there actually a more even league yeah yeah I, I, I think that's it and then it's really it, it's more about if you can put runs of runs of results together like Luton did obviously you know up to a certain point uh, from the turn of the year, they, them and Fulham had taken the most points, didn't they? And and so there was no surprise that Luton ended up in the playoffs because they bloody well deserved it. But um, that that would that would strike me as the. It, it, I just prefer that. Let's say. I mean, we all want to we all want to see Luton progress and go up, and that does mean going to the Premier League. Um, but this league is, it is really great. It's great to watch. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And, and I agree with you. I, I much rather see a competitive league. I mean, you know, Fulham absolutely destroyed us last season. But then in the game where we were actually fit and did actually have 11 fully fit bodies, uh, we drew 1-1 with them. So it kind of shows mm. you that uh, the, the competitiveness of that. And um, yeah, I like that. Uh, you're right, there are plenty of other sides that are likely to improve this season. I mean, given that they've got the best manager ever to grace the face of planet Earth, Bristol City should be doing a lot better than, um, than what they have done. Uh, I mean, they should anyway. It's just it's, it's ridiculous for the City that size to not have had a Premier League team. It, it really is. Um, they, they should be doing a hell of a lot better. But, you know, as we've said in previous podcasts and probably centred around Cal Naismith's move, that they've got a hell of a lot ground to make up and I'm not sure that that is really achievable um, you know we'll wait and see but it, it's it's a massive amount of ground to make up to you know be be the team that Cal Naismith was propagandising for when he moved <laughs> yeah well that's the thing uh, and there's a you know there's a gap between us and a, and a lot of these potential improving teams I mean there's a lot of a lot of people are suggesting that Swansea might improve. I know that they're sick favourites to win the league with the bookmakers. Um, you know, you've got a couple of others that are expected to improve. Stoke uh, being one of them. But they're all 15, 20 points behind us last season. And we've definitely improved. So, you know, um, you know, I know Sonny was, was, was keen to stress that um, improvement is, is the buzzword. And I, I, I don't see... Any reason why we can't finish in the top six myself? Um, you know, you look at the ones that are coming down. There will be a time where Norwich don't go straight back up because that's just the evolution of football. Who knows what's happening with Burnley? I mean, they've lost so many players. There's so many rumours about their finances. And obviously, Vincent Company's never seen the championship for all as good a player as he's been at Manchester City. Uh, you've got the lot down the road that just basket cases who go through managers like I go through. Tesco um, shopping bags and <laughs> you know and then, and then you look at the other ones that are in the division sorry that were in the division last season Sheffield United they don't look like they've improved that much in the transfer window 
albeit we've still got six weeks of the transfer window left, which I absolutely hate. Should be closed yeah, by yeah. the time the season starts. Okay, maybe keep it open for one more week this year because the season starts earlier, but it should be shut. You shouldn't be having none of this four or five weeks into the season and players are still going on America round. Otherwise, you may as well not bother having it. Um, Middlesbrough, you know, they're probably going to improve under Chris Wilder and things like that. But then on the flip side of that, you've got Huddersfield, who can't possibly be as good this season as they were last season. Um, so I, I see it as a really, really even league. And uh, I don't see a standout side in it, but I see sort of seven or eight sides that if they ended up in the sort of top three or four, and we're one of them, you wouldn't really be surprised? No, I think so. And, you know, even last season, though, as good as Fulham were, there wasn't a team in there that you needed to be scared of. And it's the same this season. So that's a nice place to be in um, for for a team like Luton. And I think the, expe- the expectation is there, but still not the... It's it's not overboard, I don't think. I think if if Luton didn't manage to finish in the playoffs but still finished in the top ten or something like that, I think that would be you know people wouldn't lose their minds over it. I know social media sometimes suggests that it will be, but you know the reaction to you know not quite getting over the line in the playoffs was virtually nothing but positive, and so. Um, you know, there's there are going to be teams like you mentioned, like your, your Stokes and that, who have a lot more riding on um, improving and, and finishing those top six places, even though the mantra of Luton now is progression and they're looking to build on that again. And like like Sonny said, it's got to, it's got to be the playoffs. Yeah, that's the thing uh, that I really think is in our advantage that. We don't have to make the playoffs, whereas some of these teams do. And I, I said it a few times last season when, you know, some of the teams we were battling with, you know, middles, your Middlesbroughs, your Blackburns, your QPRs, they they had to make the playoffs. Well, QPR, I mean, you saw the reaction they after they nicked that win, unbelievably at Kenilworth Road. The reaction was like they just won the FA Cup, and and then they dropped off a cliff because they thought that they'd taken a scout that would get them closer to the Premier League uh, to the playoffs. Sorry, so. Definitely, there are teams in there that, um, you know, if they if they aren't in there mixing it with the, the the contenders, then they are underachieving. And then you've got sort of your Sunderlands that have come up, who, you know, they've got the resources to comfortably stay up. I mean, we've comfortably stayed up. Well, I say we've comfortably stayed up two the last two seasons. Obviously, the first season we didn't. Uh, we stayed up on the last day, and, and teams do generally come up and stay up on the last day. But you, you kind of think with Sunderland's resources, they're a championship side anyway, aren't they? So you'd expect them to to be fine. But Wigan and Rotherham, Rotherham are a yo-yo side. Wigan only went down because of their points deduction in the first place. So that, it, it's a strong, it's a it's a more open league at the top, but it's potentially a stronger league in terms of its depth. Yeah, and they, you know, in the case of Sunderland, all they've got to do is get their club structure right. It was an absolute basket case, and they actually they filmed it for us, which was a laugh a minute to be fair. Um, so I don't, I don't particularly know if they have got it right. Um, you know, in the, you know, in the behind the scenes of the club at the moment, because um, there hasn't been a series three. But, um, you know, the, going up by the playoffs maybe suggests that they aren't as good as they uh, aren't as good as the other two. Um, 
although they they did wipe the floor with that other team in the player final. Um, well, I was very torn by it to be fair because it's a four hour four four hour trip up and four hour trip back for Sunderland. Otherwise, you could, yeah, you uh, and me both. Uh, I can't tell Tony this, but I would be quite happy if Wickham had won that game, even though yeah. it's four hours out of their car park. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but there's every potential, isn't there, with Sunderland as big a club as they are, that they um, they could do good things in there, but. It, they've been out of that league for so long um, that it's going to be a tough acclimatisation uh, to, to the championship, I think, because it just seems to have been that way for all all teams that have come up, really. Um, you know, even, even Luton that first season, we'll, we'll know what happened at the end, but it was, it was tough going for a lot of the season just to get used to the, the pace of it and the quality and... Um, you know, we'll see, but I, you know, Rotherham, they're, they're working on a budget and so I wouldn't expect them to do too much. Uh, you know, Wigan have, Wigan have pedigree, but they're virtually a different club now, aren't they? Um, yeah. the way that their club was run and nearly run into the ground and, and, and kept back, kept alive. Um, and we all know how difficult that, that is to, you know, re- reignite the old flame, uh, so to speak, and, and, and get back on track. Um, so it could be a, a, a little while for them um, as well. Uh, you know, but they, you know, as, as much as I did take some joy in watching big clubs like Sunderland and Portsmouth still knocking around in League One, they they do make for big games, don't they? So a, a game against Sunderland is going to be a lively one, and that's something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I read somewhere they've already sold 40,000 tickets for their first game on Sunday. So, Mm. you know, that in itself would make them, you know, potentially the biggest team in the league in terms of crowd support. You know, so when we go there, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. And uh, as fans, that's what you want, isn't it? These great occasions. You don't want these sterile things like Reading away where three drums are doing you nutting and Coventry that's absolutely dull and boring. You want these games where there's a vibrant atmosphere that the players sort of respond to and obviously we've got two of those in particular this season that you know we're I think we're all looking forward to I think when the fixtures came out we discussed it in the last podcast they were the first ones that we looked at uh Sonny obviously um said on Tuesday that when we did a podcast with him that they're the two biggest games of the season and, and it's games like that that make this season a potentially more exciting prospect than last season as good as last season was Oh, undoubtedly, because the the rivalry as such, and the 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 fact that COVID intervened into allowing Luton to Luton fans to fully experience the last time, it it just adds another dimension to to the league. Um, you know, everyone's looking forward to it. Have they moved the, the April Fools' game? Yeah, uh, they've moved it earlier, haven't they? It's oh, they moved it earlier. Yeah, it's still April Fools'. Uh, so that's that, that's a big one, isn't it? You put it on that day, and the bragging rights available on on that particular day is a massive one. Um, yeah, it, it's just a tantalising prospect. It'll be what will it? It it'll be seventeen years, I think, since the last time fans were in for that derby. Um, so if you're not up for that, um, 
and it's good to hear the players are, are properly up for it as well from from what Sonny was saying then um yeah but if if you're a fan and not looking to those games first then something wrong with you yeah absolutely i mean you got to you know those, those two games you know everyone knows the dates the dates of them and you know the one in october can't come around quick enough and then obviously it'll be full steam ahead for april fool's day um so we finished sixth last season then james i mean what are you expecting this season are you expecting higher than sixth slightly lower than sixth sixth again what are you expecting and what do you think is a realistically achievable aim well i always go for realism and they've they've smashed what i've predicted so um yeah, i'm kind of te- at this point if you are a gambling person listen intently to this next bit and then put all of your money on the opposite, <laughs> <Do> the opposite. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i mean in the second season i was just saying i'd be happy with one point above relegation uh and they finished it uh, in top half uh last season i was just saying oh you know top half of the I think I was saying top half of the of the bottom half, if you know what I mean, and I'll be happy with that. And they're finishing the playoffs, and maybe it's time I just get on board with what's happening. And I, I'm very impressed with the signings this summer and the quality that it looks like it could add to the team. You know, albeit we haven't truly seen it in action yet, but um, you know, I think Luton have to be now saying to themselves that they deserve to be where they were last season. That's that's a fact. That's a given, and, and maybe that's where they need to be now. And so, I think um, it's going to be very difficult. I think to to jump from sixth to an automatic promotion space. But why not dream big and 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 say the next progression is to get in the playoffs and get to the final and and do it there. So yeah. that's what I'm thinking. It is going to be, it, it is a big step, but then, I mean, if, if you think back, uh, the end result was sixth last season, but we went into that last international break in third, and I remember we did a podcast during that international break where I jokingly said to you, have we been underselling it all along, we could actually hit automatic promotion here, of course, the injuries kicked in big time mm. in that international break, and we kind of faded a little bit towards the uh, the end of the season, but we were sitting third in the table after I think it was 38 games maybe 39 games so on that evidence there isn't an awful lot to find to be in and around the top three well exactly and the only the only thing that Luton are slightly weaker in is that Karen A. Smith's position but that's not to say that Luton weren't miserly buggers at the back when he wasn't playing I mean whoever played in defence didn't like conceding goals and they had 19 clean sheets it was phenomenal so um on the defensive front i think that they'll be fine that karen a smith added certain attacking qualities but then they've they've absolutely bolstered the attacking lineup and the, the attacking prowess as well because you've got alfie doughty as well who looks like he'll be um you know filling in and, and joining in those attacking players as well whenever he can and um, Alan Campbell, uh, you know, if he can build on what he did last season, then uh, absolutely. We, we, we know uh, Luke Freeman from what he's done at other clubs. And, you know, why why not? Why not? There's, they are, there's lots of things that can happen, obviously. But if you plan the way Luton have and 
recruit the way Luton have. Not necessarily just this season. It's always it's always that ongoing thing. But it's been, it's been a very impressive summer. And so why can't it be a very impressive season again? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Cal Naismith's a big loss, absolutely. But that international break that I just mentioned, the two games prior to that, Preston at home, Hull away, we had back threes of Dan Potts, Peter Chioso, James Bree. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I think it, Hull, Hull scored in like the 95th minute or something and they kept a clean sheet for the rest of the other times. It, it's more the structure than the personnel in a lot of ways with a lot of the parts of this team. The only thing this time is we've got the depth to cope with any injuries that are inevitably going to come along because the schedule is still ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Sonny was pretty strong, wasn't he, on Tuesday that progression is the aim and uh, I did a preview thing for someone sort of three or four weeks ago and they asked me where I thought we'd finish and I thought then fifth and that was before all these signings started coming in mm. so I can kind of see us you know somewhere between third and fifth and and who knows if the if the top sides pick up some injuries at the World Cup or whatever um we might we, we, we might even find a route higher than that but it's going to be a great season either way isn't it and that's the, that's that's the main thing it's you know, we're not going into a season dreading it. We're going into the season really looking forward to what exactly it might bring. Yeah, and that's been the case really all, all, all since Nathan turned up, really. I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know that that's that's the power of what they've achieved as a club in in progressing and building what they've done on the, on the season before, and not resting on their laurels and trying to improve and. You know, instilling a team spirit and, you know, even if Luton hadn't bought any players this summer and hadn't lost any, they'd still have got four or five players back from injury that weren't there at the end of last season. And who knows if they were around, you know, you, particularly if you look at Elijah, but at a buyer, who knows where they could have finished. It could have been third, fourth or fifth last season. It, it just... It was just a few too few games too many at the end because of injuries. But you, that sense of what if is almost a sense of wonder uh, now that they've made the team that much stronger. And when you've tasted something like we tasted the playoffs, you want more of it, don't you? It's, it's kind of that. It was when we lost to Blackpool in the playoffs in League Two. There was that uh, yeah. thought of, well, we're not going to let that feeling override what happens and we're going to, you know, use it as a kind of motivation to make sure we're better this season. And I kind of get the feeling, and I think you spoke to Nathan a few times since that Huddersfield game. And almost every single time, he stressed how he was straight back to work the following day. And mm -hmm. it, it's kind of, we're not standing still. We are going to move forward, whether that's kind of highlighted in the league table at the end of the season or not with our own eyes, we'll be able to see that this is a better Luton squad than the ones that have gone before it. And so logically, we should be better in terms of the league table. But obviously, the other teams could also have a bit to say about that. But as long as we're better, no one can really ask for any more than that. Yeah, and if you have the same level of entertainment as you did last season, everybody's going to be more than happy, aren't they? Um, you know, like you say, the, the league's a strange thing. And it, 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 maybe if it isn't playoffs, but if they play in a similar way, I think it'd probably be improved, actually. But if they take what they did from last season and play that way and with the added elements that they've recruited, it's it's exciting time to go to games, isn't it? You're just looking forward to it all the time. It really is, yeah. 
Um, yeah, really looking forward to this season. Uh, you say it was entertaining last season. One game that wasn't entertaining was Birmingham at home. And lo and behold, that's the one that we've been thrown out first uh, this season. I put it straight to Sonny in the podcast that we did that I'm sure people have heard. Is that is there a score to settle? He was very straight down the line. Absolutely, there's a score to settle. So, you know, all the motivation we need on Saturday uh, is born out of those two results against him last season, isn't it? It, it? Clearly, it was a frustration at the time. And you can, you can just tell from what Sonny was saying that it's it, it's kind of eaten away at them ever since those results happened. And they're going to try and put it right on Saturday. Yeah, uh, it, I don't know. It, I mean, I don't expect it would be the same. But they're kind of... They're essentially a basket case club of what's going on behind the scenes, aren't they? But they've got a new manager in place. I don't know too much about him, but uh, whether he's instilled a way of playing in, in the time that he's been there, who knows? Um, but they were just freak results, weren't they, last yeah. season? It seemed, I know it's probably a bit uh, audacious to say they were, that two of them were freak results. and Certainly Birmingham City fans will say, but we beat you twice and you didn't score a goal. And that's true. But Luton didn't do that against any other club, Fulham, Fulham the exception, uh, but with great reason. Um, and it, it just seemed like they've got, look, Birmingham have got some sort of curse on them or some sort of hoodoo. And I think it's just two wins in the last eight against Birmingham. And they've never been in any great shakes in all those times that I've seen that. So, uh, it's got to be a time to turn that round. And, um, you know, a, a first game of the season at the Kenny uh, is probably the best bet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing the thing with the home game was the fella on loan from Man United absolutely... Outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and he's not there this season. Um, on the flip side of that, Troy Deeney is there this season and he's just going to rile everyone involved in Luton up, isn't he? So the atmosphere is going to be there right from the off. And obviously it's been sold out all week. Um, you look at the first game last season, home to Peterborough, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic and the players performed from that. And I think everyone going on Saturday will kind of be up for getting some revenge on Birmingham. There's no kind of history between Luton and Birmingham, but those two results didn't sit well with anyone, did they? So um, in many ways, it really is the perfect start to the season, assuming that we can right the wrongs. Yeah, well, you'd hope so after the way that they've been performing in pre-season. Um, and there's not been that much of a gap between the end of last season as well. Um there's all manner of things to prove, um, you know, against Birmingham, uh, that Luton can do it again and get, you know, be, be at the top of the table and challenging. Um, there's, there's every motivation going to go into that game and, and do well. And, uh, you know, if, if all, if all the players that they've got available and some of the new players they've got available can come on and, and add to them and, and do the business and maybe if it's not going well impact off the bench or something like that because he's got five game change, changes now so um, there's there's nothing not to be excited about no there isn't three points yeah yeah yes please and, absolutely and then we go to Burnley who are a bit of an unco unknown commodity 
it's the second year in succession we've gone to one of these relegated sides in their first home game uh, in the in the championship. I don't really know what to expect in that game. Are you any other wiser? No, but I do hope that um, that their manager gets a shock of his life <laughs> when he has to manage in the in the championship. I mean, you know that club. That club almost sort of echoes Stoke for me in that they had a good thing going and then they wanted something more and the grass was greener or, or so it appeared and then it turned out when they've jumped the fence that it, it wasn't. So hopefully that's a, a slide that can continue and that, you know, Vincent Company comes in and wants to try and instill some Pep Guardiola football. Um, some champagne football on Coca-Cola pockets as one ex-Luton manager you can say. Indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd have been a lot more fearsome of Burnley, if that's the right word, uh, if they still had Dyche than, than mm, a fellow yeah. who's never seen the championship and, you know, obviously would have watched a few games on telly but never played in it, probably never been to a championship game in his life and hopefully he's going to get a rude awakening when one of the better sides in the division turn up um Win that game, draw that game, get lose that game. How do you see it going? Um, it's a really tough one to call, but let's stick with the optimism and we'll have three points on that as well. Yeah, that'll do. Happy days. And then um, a side that I think are going to be a lot better than what they were last season, Preston. Um, obviously, we absolutely destroyed them down here, didn't we? Beat them 4-0 in one of the um, better midweek games of the season. Uh but I think they will be better because Ryan Lowe's a really, really good coach. How do you mm, see yeah. that one going? They've he's signed a couple of tasty loan players from uh, Liverpool, hasn't he? And um, yeah, me, me, myself, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top ten. So I actually think that's a trickier game than than some are giving it credit for. But what do you think? No, I'm with you. I think that Ryan Lowe's a very good manager um, and one to watch. It'd be interesting to see how there's those players bed in um, but if they're coming from Liverpool they're going to have a certain pedigree aren't they so um, you can't rule out them being fantastic if we were talking not so long ago a couple of minutes ago about uh, the, the Birmingham player Chong that came from United and and absolutely dominated uh, in that fixture so um, yeah I, I'm, I think that they'll be a lot better than they were last season but again it's a lot of distance to make up isn't it uh, I think what they'll do is they'll be harder to, to beat. And so um, for that reason, I think a draw would be a satisfactory result. Yeah, I agree. The one thing that um, they they do do, though, is they play football. They play nice football. And generally, they're the teams that we excel against more as opposed to the direct Cardiffs and Stokes of the world that, you know, historically, not so much last season, but historically, we've struggled against. So uh, mm. we, we do have that going for us. And, um, so yeah, hopefully we can get something from the game and obviously if your predictions of two wins have come true then we'll all take a point in that one, seven points, thanks for coming uh, I've not mentioned the Newport Cup game obviously it's going to be a reserve team and it's definitely going to be a reserve team because you know, all the schedule is absolutely crazy and he needs to get yeah. minutes into those players and we don't really know what the reserve team is at the minute in the same way we don't know what the first team is so we won't bother covering that but we might cover the second round if indeed we beat Newport 
So the following game from there, uh, we go up against the world's best manager, um, down, at, <laughs> down at Ashton Gate, and our former defender who spoke a load of bollocks a couple of months ago. Um, obviously, last season took four points off Bristol City. Brilliant late equaliser from Danny Hilton. Um, it was a great moment down there, even though it was the easiest goal he'll ever score. And then we beat them at our place. Um, can you see us going down there and getting a win? We haven't got great memories of Ashton Gate, have we? But we are slowly getting better. Obviously, we beat them in the COVID season from 2-0 down. Drew last season. Uh, it'd be nice just to have a nice dominant performance down there. Yeah, it would. Um, you know me, I haven't got the greatest of memories, but that one at Ashton Gate really does stick out. That's uh, how, how bad, bad it was. was. The fact yeah, that, the fact that nearly four years on, you can still remember it is like... <laughs> Yeah, it's a long way to Bristol as well, isn't it? When you see that dross in the first half hour. Um, but yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've signed Cal Naismith. He's obviously a very good player. Is he going to be the difference? I don't know. I, I, unless they've signed other players to, to, to play around him. Um, you know, as good as he was last season, I don't think he was the player of the season for Luton. And I know this sounds like a bit of hindsight, but we did say it at the time. I, I don't necessarily think he was the best defender in the group. But what he offered going forward sort of made up for that. And then when you add in the massive cherry on top of the goal against Bournemouth, that in my, for my money is what tipped the balance to make him play the season over Alan Campbell in most people's eyes. Um, but whether that makes a, that much of a difference to Bristol City, I don't, I, I, I can't see it will. I think, I think for, for Cal in particular, Luton was the right fit. It just worked. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that, that, I understand why he went. It was, it, it's a right move for his career and his family and his, his life, but I don't think it was the right footballing move for him, to be fair. And I, I just hope that, as much as I liked him as a fella, I hope it comes back to bite him and Luton do go down there and, and, and take the points. And I think they will. Yeah, I, 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 I don't fear them either. It will be interesting to see just how um, just how they are at the back because obviously you know they have signed him. They, you know he's a free transfer, so he's obviously so he's obviously a good um, a, a good one to get. But yeah, like you, um, if if I was picking the first defender on our team sheet last season, he's still at the club, and that's Reese Burke. Mm, um, yeah. You know, I said it at the time. I said it on many a podcast at the time, and um, and I'll keep on saying it that I still think he's our best defender, Reese Burke. And I think someone mentioned it to uh, Nathan in a press conference, and he kind of, you know, he he um, sort of uh, spoke about his qualities. So he obviously thinks very highly of him, and why wouldn't he? You know, he's absolutely everything that a championship defender is. Um, but they weren't great at the back last season, Bristol City. And I think Nathan did speak about them having the best front three in the division. So that would be that. that's one thing against them. But, you know, they didn't look particularly great against us. So that is one away game that I think 
that we can get something from. And I mean, we've got a tough August in terms of away games. Um, so if we can pick up points there, then that will certainly uh, that that will certainly help because. By that time, everyone's going to start to get a little bit stretched, aren't they? That'll be sort of the fifth game within three weeks and, you know, heavy legs and all of that sort of thing. So any points that we can pick up there will be absolutely fantastic. Uh, And I agree with you. I think we do a win down there. I just don't see Bristol City improving, certainly under Pearson. I don't see Pearson as the best manager in the league or anything like that. He's been there two years and, if anything, they've got worse. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, I, I I just don't see it, I think. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if those words rile us up a little bit. They'll, they'll obviously be the team talk, won't they? And um, maybe those words will come back to haunt them. Yeah, yeah, we, we hope so, don't we? That's that's what you want all the time against a, a player, a, a former player, uh, and that they don't come back to to bite you. But um, I don't. I'm with you. I don't. I don't fear Bristol City. That's the position Luton have got themselves into now. It's, it's up for it's up for Bristol City to try and make up the difference. And until they do, then you shouldn't be scared of them. No, that's right. That's exactly how I see it. Okay, so that's the first sort of four games of the um, of the season covered. Um, we will be back with our next podcast in between the Bristol City and Swansea away games, uh, assuming that we all get back from Bristol City in time to go to Swansea. And um, we'll catch up with all the results and we'll preview that game, the televised game, and, and uh, the other games up until the international break in the next podcast. So from my reckoning then, James, that was four league games. You've got three wins and a draw. Ten points. <laughs> yeah, come on. May as well start the season uh, as we finished uh, the last one and absolutely on fire. So, um, yeah, no, if that is the case, then we'll all be absolutely delighted with that. That is for sure. Um, And and I really hope it is the case. I'm like you. I'm very optimistic. I don't see any reason why we can't pick up that sort of point. So it might be that they're in different orders, but um, certainly, you know, Eight points is definitely there for the taking in, in my eyes. Two wins, two draws. Um, and, I, and I'd be perfectly happy with that as well. So uh, thanks for your thoughts, uh, James, for looking ahead to the season to come. Obviously, if you listen to the first part, you'll have heard us talk about um, pre-season. As I say, we will be back with the next podcast in between that Bristol City and Swansea City game. And until then, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, well, enjoy the start of the season. It should be a great one. And, of course, come on the Lionesses on Sunday.